turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. I have a momentous task today. I preach on Mother's Day. That's a lot of pressure. You've got to be done on time, that's for sure. Everybody's got plans, right? You've got to make moms leave not feeling beat down. And here we go to Proverbs 31. I think Chris sets up the schedule and... Uh, <laughs> No, what a wonderful passage we will look into today in Proverbs chapter 31. We're going to begin reading in verse 10. And as we read this, I pray that you'll not look at this, and we'll go into this more, not as a to-do list, but rather as a beautiful painting. A painting that has themes throughout it. And as you pass over it each time, new themes are visible and are highlighted as you look, take a, a new perspective. And so this morning, Proverbs chapter 31, verse 10. And I just realized that I didn't include that in my size 18 font in my notes. So I will be going to my, my scriptures to read this. So bear with me a second. Verse 10. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength. And makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. May God add the blessing, his blessing, to the reading of his precious word. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we come to you this morning, and we are, has already been said, so deeply grateful for mothers. We thank you for the impact that they've had, but we thank you for women. Women who, in our time, and in times past, and even within the church, have been often not understood and not appreciated to the level that they should be. 
Lord, may we value your creation with all the beauty and possibility and opportunity that you have afforded them and see them rightly and understand well what you have in store for them in this fallen world that you've placed us in. May we see Christ in them and through them to the praise of your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been around here, you know that we've been going through Second Peter. And last week we talked about how that a, a, a thousand years is as a day to the Lord, right? But as we were talking in leadership prayer this morning, you know, I think for moms, a day is often like a thousand years, right? In fact, being a mom is a daily grind. It can be exhausting, it can be surprising, frustrating, infuriating, and disappointing, and all that before your first cup of coffee in the morning. In fact, motherhood is kind of like a fairy tale in reverse. You start in a beautiful gown and end up cleaning everyone's messes up. As one author noted, there's nothing quite like being told I'm wrong by someone who depends on me for food, clothing, and shelter. Motherhood can be difficult, right? And whether moms or not, women often do not feel valued and appreciated. But this ought not to be so among believers, right? We should have a biblical understanding of the value of women. And the question today is, do we value in women what God values? Thankfully, I'm not here this morning. And I'm not trying to be sarcastic and, and vengeful, but we're not here to define women. Women, as God defines them, is very clearly defined throughout Scripture, beginning back in Genesis 2. So we're not going to take that up today. But what we do need to do is, is to understand what a godly woman is, what a, how God values them. Women who live life, in light of who God is and who He made them to be as women, have an incredible impact and have made an incredible impact for centuries. We think of women like Priscilla. She and her husband Aquila took a young evangelist under their wings to instruct him more fully in the ways of Christ and impacted the early church. Amy Carmichael went to India at the age of 28 and by God's grace served there as a missionary without any kind of furlough for over 50 years, saving over a thousand young women from being married to the temple gods who then would live a life of prostitution. She had an impact. Susanna Wesley maybe best known as the mother of Charles and John Wesley. And despite many difficulties in her marriage and her finances and the loss of infants, her faith and discipleship were huge influences on her sons and therefore on the world. Mary McLeod Bethune, she longed to be a missionary. She attended Moody Bible Institute and was told there that as an African-American woman that her mission's Help was not needed in the continent of Africa. And instead, she then went to Daytona Beach, Florida, with a focus on educating young women. And that lady ended up starting Bethune-Cookman University and was one who was called upon by presidents 
to come and advise them in the White House. These are Christian women who have great impact. And there have been millions and millions of others, many whose stories are not written down. Many of them living and sitting right here among us today. Yes, amen. I I agree. You see, you may feel alone. And you may feel unappreciated. But you know, there is one who has placed the value on you that we don't get to define. There is one who has spoken. And he didn't simply, in Proverbs 31, put together a to-do list for you. He didn't try to diminish anyone here today through through his word. Instead, he painted a beautiful picture that we can look at together. And we can see the rarity and the value of a true virtuous woman. A true godly woman. This, in a world that is chasing image and status and immediate gratification, the virtuous woman is truly rare and her value is priceless. This word translated virtuous is one that when we went through the book of Ruth not that long ago was used there by Boaz. When Ruth came to him in the night to say, rescue me, redeem me, he said to her, and now my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. It's sometimes interpreted or translated worthy, sometimes virtuous. But the question is this. The question we begin with today is, who can find a virtuous woman? It's not that they don't exist. But he's going to paint a picture to help us. And this is written to a young man, frankly. But it's written to say, this is what it's going to look like. These are themes you're going to see in their life. The truly virtuous woman is the exception to the world's rule. A world that is caught up with all these other things. Caught up with the pursuit of pleasures. This virtuous woman, one who honors God and selflessly loves her neighbors, is rare and her value is priceless. The language here used to describe how priceless she is is actually one that's used for wisdom. Earlier in Proverbs, in Proverbs 3.15, it says that she, wisdom just so that we're clear, is more precious than jewels. And nothing you can desire can compare to her. The only difference in those two verses is that when it talks about wisdom, it says nothing can compare to her. But the same description is, man, they are more precious than all the jewels of the world. You cannot add up all the stuff of this world. So like wisdom, you can't put a price on the value of a virtuous, righteous, honorable, godly woman. So what's so valuable? What's so valuable about a godly or virtuous woman? Well, a couple of things that we're going to, a couple of themes that I think we can see out of this passage is, first of all, the value of a godly woman is experienced liberally by those within her sphere of influence. She brings true esteem to womanhood. You see, the godly woman, the godly woman is a blessing to her husband and or family and really all that know her, all in her community, all of her neighbors. 
Verse 31, chapter chapter 31, verse 12 says, uh, regarding her husband, that she does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She brings benefit to her community. Verse 20 talks about how she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. And then woven, no pun intended, throughout the rest of this passage is a whole lot of discussion about the work she does in clothing and caring for her family. You see, she has an impact. She, she lovingly cares for the needs of all those around her. But ultimately, the value of a virtuous woman is observed in her greatest work. And that greatest work is not, believe it or not, raising children. That is simply one expression of her greatest work. Her greatest work is her worship of God. And, and so the value of the virtuous woman is, is observed in her worship God. She honors God. You see, the most important thing about this Proverbs 31 woman we see in verse 30, and we're going to come back to this and really spend time on it later, but it is this. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Why is she ultimately praised? Because she is a woman who knows and reverences God. That is at the heart of the truly virtuous woman. The virtuous, virtuous woman faithfully utilizes her gifts and time and energy and talents and resources and wisdom that God has graciously given her. And she generously and prudently and faithfully blesses those around her. Her life makes other lives better. And in so doing, she honors and glorifies God. So what is virtue like? What does a godly woman really look like? That's why, she, that's why she's so valuable, because she's a blessing to all. She honors God. But what does she look like? And to this, I, I come back to this, I, this picture that is painted here. And it is a poetic picture. You see, the, the author of Proverbs 31 uses a literary device, an acrostic, to paint a picture in the Hebrew language. He uses all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. I'm no Hebrew scholar, so I'm not going to give you the Hebrew alphabet. And I won't read this in Hebrew because I couldn't. But the fact of the matter is, if you were to read it in Hebrew, and you can go actually and, and see that online and list it out, it's a beautiful picture, but the, it's really not about what it looks like or even what it sounds like. It's that they took words and painted a picture. That's what poetry is, right? It's putting images into words so that you can both hear, know, and feel what this is. And so this is Hebrew poetry. And the idea behind putting it in this literary device is that it's holistic. That it sort of covers this beauty of the full beauty of a virtuous woman. It's a literary portrait, a masterpiece painted with words. It's not a to-do list. The key is not to get lost in this list that we, as we see it, but to see the themes which are painted. I don't know if any of you like art or not. One of my favorite classes um, in college was art appreciation. And it was good. It was really pretty incredible. And when and taught us how to look at art and understand it better and to appreciate it, hence the name, art appreciation, and what you begin to realize is different people see different things as they look at art, right? And even as you look at a, at a picture, each time you look at it, you may see something a little different. 
The longer you gaze on it, you see different details. And sometimes different lighting draws out different things. And with each pass through Proverbs 31, it's not intended to add more weight to the shoulders of women. It is intended to lift up the beauty and opportunity of women, of womanhood, so that they might be drawn to it as a young man, that they might have a picture of what that should look like as a young woman, that they might say, ah, that's beautiful. I I desire that. That is what we should look at this through. In fact, we see in each godly, virtuous woman a painting in progress, a portrait in progress. And some of the themes that we see through this scripture are ones that we'll draw out here. And you'll, you very easily, and I've gone through this a whole lot of times and had a whole lot more themes that could be pulled out of here, but I'm just going to go through a few of them. Okay, so you can sort of go with me through this. Gaze at the portrait of Proverbs 31. The portrait of a godly woman displays in part one theme is faithfulness. In verses 11 and 12, the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. The one who knows her best, or should, her husband, trust her implicitly. He trusts her with, the, with his whole heart for he knows the integrity and faithfulness of her heart. He's experienced it. He's seen it, Right? Because she's a faithful woman. Another theme is this theme of, of in, industry. And that's the one that we maybe sometimes get hung up on. Because it's a big chunk of it, right? Um, and that we see that in verses 13 through 19. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant and brings her food from afar. I mean, Kroger's a distance, right? She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it with the fruit of her hands. She plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and and her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. She has an Etsy account. We know it, right? And And her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands on the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. There's so, you could get it hung up in all these things that, that this lady does, but you hear the tone. You hear the theme. That she's willing to do anything and whatever with the resources and opportunities God has given her to care for her family. Right? She, it doesn't mean you need to take up, you know, spinning yarn. That's not the point of this. It's not that you need to go buy property, but you could. Right? It's not that, that you need to go, you know, sail away on a ship or go hunt down your food at, you know, the farthest grocery store. No, it, it's not about that. It's about this theme, this theme of industry. She, and we'll get to this, I want to sort of give you a foreshadowing. She sees herself and the world in light of what God intends. For she's a woman who fears the Lord. And so as one who fears the Lord, she sees herself as a steward before God, not only of her time and her resources and her energy and her health, but her family and her neighbors. And she desires to display beauty to them. And so she is a gracious steward. She's a faithful steward. She's an industrious steward. She's not responsible for what other people do. You're not responsible for what others might do or what gifts they have or what they look like, what opportunities they have. You, dear women, 
are responsible before God to be you, using the gifts, talents, and opportunities and abilities He's given to you. Don't let the lie of social media tell you otherwise. Look to Scripture and rest in His grace. Delight in His goodness. Rejoice in His provision. And then serve the Lord with gladness with what He has blessed. There's other themes. The portrait of the godly woman includes a theme of compassion. We've seen this in verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. It obviously, in opening the hands, the idea of being generous, right? But it's also personal. Compassion is not primarily to be done at a distance. Compassion is from the heart of one to the to this other image bearer, this one who is created in the image of God. She sees them with worth. She sees them for what they are, as created in the image of God, for the glory of God. And she invests to the praise of His glory. It's personal. It's genuine. They see others through the eyes of God and serves them. Psalm 41.1 says, Blessed is the one who considers the poor in the day of trouble. The Lord delivers them. There's other themes in this portrait of the godly woman. There's prudence. The idea that they know what to do and when to do it. Right? They are prepared. They're, they're discerning. Proverbs 31 verses 21 and 22 says, She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed in scarlet. They are dressed well. They're dressed prepared for what is to come. She makes bed coverings for herself and her clothing is fine linen and purple. Verse 25 says, Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. The godly woman does not live primarily for self-gratification and to make herself look good in the moment. She's not just busy. She is busy at what is important. And that, that important, the important stuff of life. And that is not just about the physical stuff, right? And godly moms know this. And we're going we're gonna to see that, that she has a woman of influence. She is a teacher. Verse 26 goes on to say, She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. What is in her heart is revealed by her words. What is a priority in her life is a priority from her lips. And so she is a woman of influence. She has depth of character and wisdom, which is influential in the lives of her children, the life of her husband, and in the life of those that God has placed her in contact with. Proverbs 10, 20, and 21 speaks about the tongue of the righteous, the tongue of, of someone like this virtuous woman. It says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many. But fools die for lack of sense. You see, there is one, Proverbs twelve eighteen that is rash with words, and they're like sword thrust. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. There is sustenance on the tongue of the righteous, virtuous, godly woman. She has something to say, not because of her, but because of who she lives before. She lives in the presence of God. She lives as one who honors and reverences and knows the Lord. And she has something to share. 
Not a word from her, but a word truly, truly from God. And friends, that reveals so very much. You see, as we think about the church, where do we see the greatest heart in the church? Where do we see the greatest compassion in the church? Where do we see so much kindness, so much beauty? We see it in our women. It's, as, as you look around, so much of what is done in and through the church is done by our women. And often we don't think that way. We don't think in terms of, of, man, alive. What would, I mean, let's just ask the question. What would Harbor Shores be without the women? <laughs> That's a, the right response, Pastor Chris, is to laugh. <laughs> it would be like, are you kidding? No. You see, we of all people should appreciate the godly, virtuous, righteous woman. You see, Proverbs 31 addresses that. Those who know this woman best actually attest to the reality of her godliness. Proverbs 31, 28 through 31 says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. She is a woman who is praised by those who truly know her for what she is. If, if, and this is an important if, if they too are godly, virtuous people. You see, not everybody praises a godly woman. <laughs> Am I right? Not everybody does because they don't all appreciate, but those who understand true, ver- true value and preciousness of virtue will praise her. For who she is at home in private, day in and day out, that is where the character of the godly woman is most clearly observed. Her family, her husband, children, other family members are the chief witnesses to the reality of her character. And these step up to declare her as the most excellent mother or woman or sister or daughter of the year. They, she exceeds them all. It's because it's who she is. From the core of her being, from her heart, it's who she is. Is she perfect? No. But it is what they see and hear matches what is coming out of her heart. And that's where Proverbs gives a glimpse into the heart of the virtuous woman in verse 30 and 31. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. See, social charm and beauty don't always reveal what is in one's heart. It's merely the outward-facing shell that is displayed to those around. Character is who you are when you don't think anyone is watching. Authors and screenwriters have been trying to capture this idea that, that... just because they're beautiful doesn't mean that there is beauty inside and for just years, right? You could go to Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and the, the Wicked Witch. Mirror, mirror on the wall, right? She's, you see her and she looks, man, she doesn't look pretty. But she sees herself as, as the most beautiful. She has to be the most beautiful. 
that only ugliness is displayed, right? The white witch in The Lion Witch in the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis, right? She is beautiful, but we know her intent is evil. Scarlet O'Hare from Gone with the Wind, she perceives herself as beautiful, yet you see throughout this flawed woman who is so selfish and self-centered. Mean girls, to bring it into the more modern times, right? Uh, You've got all these beautiful, the plastics, right, there at the school, and they accept this new girl in among them, but are they really beautiful? No. They're the most vile, mean, hence the name mean girls, mean, nasty people that you can imagine. And they reveal themselves over time for what they are. There's nothing wrong with attractiveness. There's nothing wrong with beauty. In fact, Abraham's servant initially noted the attractive appearance of Rachel when he went to find a spouse for Isaac. Here's what verse Genesis 24:16 says. The young woman was very attractive in appearance. A maiden who no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. First thing noted there was, hey, she's pretty good looking, right? Nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing, right? But it's deceitful. It deceives the one who chases it for themselves because beauty is fleeting. It's going to pass away. It deceives the one who judges only by appearance. They may very well be disappointed by the character of the beautiful person. See, the beauty of this world will never last. Just look outside the walls here. We have some gifted people who every year are helping work on our gardens around the church. And the Masons and Adams and others who have helped. That stuff's beautiful. But is it always beautiful? No. Psalms tells us that like the flower, you know, will pass away. The beauty passes away. It's a mist. It's, but God put within us a desire for beauty, right? He put within us a desire for that beauty which will last. We had the opportunity last night to go hear um, a gentleman talk and, and quote, give a, a beautiful, what do we call it, a presentation with, of C.S. Lewis. And one of the things he brought out was this idea that we were born with a desire for the beautiful, what is truly lasting and beautiful. And he, and he says this, the beauty, the memory of it, in other words, this inherent desire for it, are good images of what we really desire. But if we mistake it for the thing itself, in other words, the greatest beauty, they turn it into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers for they, these beautiful things that we fall in love with, are not the thing, the ultimate beauty itself. They are the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. You see, beauty is intended to direct our eyes to the source. And a virtuous woman does that well, because she Her heart is immersed in the knowledge and the reverence of Almighty God. And what she does and who she is flows into this beautiful, virtuous, godly woman that we have observed in Proverbs 31 today. And that beauty should not stop when you see her. 
That beauty then should deflect and direct our eyes to the permanent beauty that will come. And when we chase after this temporal beauty, we lose sight of the source. And we are, we in the end are disappointed. Our hearts, as C.S. Lewis said, are broken. When we realize that this thing cannot fully satisfy here on earth, it will not remain with us in its present form forever. So first, in First Peter, Peter writes, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty. Ah, what kind of imperishable beauty? The imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Where does that imperishable beauty come from? It comes from being in Christ, a woman of the word, a woman who is keeping in step with the spirit, bearing the fruit of the spirit. And it is a beautiful, glorious picture of Christ. That's the picture we ought to see. And a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Her heart is God-oriented. She knows and reverences God. You see, from the beginning of Proverbs to the end, we have a theme. And that theme is the fear of the Lord. Verse 7 of Proverbs chapter 1 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You see, the woman who fears the Lord sees God and life and herself and others in the right perspective. She sees them clearly. She sees them rightly and responds to them with the themes that we saw painted throughout Proverbs 31. The fear of the Lord is not a destructive fear, like so many fears. Fears of losing money or possessions. Fears of losing friends. Fear of missing out or being left out. Fear of rejection. Fear for our children's safety. Those are, those are destructive fears. The fear of the Lord is a constructive fear. The awe and fear of God is seeing and responding to who God is in light of His, what He's revealed of Himself in His work, in His Word. See, Here's, here's another example of a constructive fear. The fear of grizzly bears. That's a good fear. That's a constructive fear. If you're going to be camping where there are grizzly bears, there are precautions to be taken, right? Unless you desire to be eaten, right? But that fear could ultimately become a destructive fear. Because if I'm in Hamilton County and I won't go outside because of the grizzly bears... All of a sudden, you've got an issue, right? But as you understand, draw nearer to God and understand Him more fully, your fear will not just be one that makes you draw away. There's a sense of of ever-growing sense of His holiness, and in that, it draws you to be a person of holiness. But it also draws you in. As you see and behold His beauty, you're drawn in and you reflect His beauty. And that is the joy, the wonder of the fear of the Lord. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have good understanding. That's important for Proverbs 31. The woman who fears the Lord has good understanding. She understands what's important, what's priority. How then shall I live in light of all of this? 
That's the heart of the fear of the Lord. On the other hand, the foolish woman or the foolish man goes the other direction. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They are corrupt and they do what they feel like, basically. They do abominable deeds. They do not live in light of what God says or who God is. And it ends with, there is none that does good. The woman who fears the Lord is faithful because she lives in awareness of God's holy presence. She loves because she knows that He first loved her. She works heartily as unto the Lord, striving to please Him and not others. She gives because she knows that God has so graciously given to her. She serves sacrificially because she knows her Lord Jesus humbled Himself and served her even unto death on the cross. You see, the call for women and for men, but in our present context, the call of Proverbs 31 is not to do, but to be and become. To be a woman who fears the Lord and to ever be becoming a woman who fears God more. To live in light of that. And that, I know that that word fear strikes something in us, in our modern sensibilities. But I hope is as you understand it rightly in terms of an awe and a reverence that you'll understand if I live in light of that, that changes who I am. To most, Proverbs 31 reads like an impossible to-do list. And you will wear yourself out trying to do. The call is not to do, but to be and become. And the beauty of this passage is that by God's grace, every woman can be and become a godly, virtuous woman if they walk in the fear of the Lord. Psalm 147.11 says, The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him, in those who hope in His steadfast love. Don't hope in marital bliss. You might have moments of it, but it won't, it won't make, it, make it all good. Don't hope in the accumulation of wealth, because wealth will take wings and fly. Don't hope in a strong and healthy body, because that won't last forever. Don't hope in your status in the community. Instead, hope in God. And as you hope in God, may it be so evident that others see Christ in your faithfulness, Christ in your industry, Christ in your compassion, Christ in your wisdom, and God be glorified. There's a young woman who I think gets this. She's a 400-meter hurdle runner. Um, She set the world record this past year in the 400-meter hurdles. This young woman, Sydney McLaughlin, and she seems to be the real deal. And she writes this, I no longer run for self-recognition, but to reflect his perfect will that is already set in stone. I don't deserve anything, but by grace, through faith, Jesus has given me everything. Records, get this, records come and go. The glory of God is eternal. Thank you, Father. That is a, is a woman who is trying, striving by God's grace to be a virtuous woman and to continue becoming a virtuous woman. That's our prayer for you, moms. Men, we could take this whole sermon and apply it to men. The man who fears the Lord will stand. 
He will be one who will stand in the presence of God. As Psalm 1 makes so very clear. So today, men, women, boys and girls, when you live your life with a biblical perspective of who God is, it changes who you are. And you, ultimately, are a greater blessing to the world that God has placed you in. Moms, women, the more you look like Jesus, the more you bless the world that God placed you in. May you go and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and display this beauty for a world that desperately needs to be directed to the beauty of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we see that there is one thing that deserves our greatest attention, that calls forth our passionate desires, and that is this, that we may answer the great end for which we are made. To glorify you who has given us our life and our being and to do all the good we can for our fellow men. Lord, it is certain that life is not worth having if it is not transformed for this purpose to which you've given us. Lord, how little this is the thought of humankind. Most women and men seem to live for themselves without much regard for your glory. And we are guilty. We do not live for your glory nor the good of others. We earnestly often just give away our desires and we, we, we pursue riches and honor and beauty and pleasures of this life as if, they're, as if we think that that stuff's going to last forever. Lord, we know it will not. We'll be disappointed. Those dreams will be dashed. But Lord, we know. We know that happiness and joy consist in loving you, living in light of who you are, being holy as you are holy. God, may we never hang on to the emptiness and sorrows of this life, but rather may we live for the hope and the joy and the beauty and the glory of the life that is to come, striving to please the one who has created us, And may we have the joy of that and may our neighbors be blessed by that and may you get the glory for that. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you're a guest with us today, we want to thank you for coming. But for all of us, if you're here today with your mom, I hope that the greatest thing that you could give to a godly mom would be that she knows that you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. You see, moms care about you deeply. And they don't just care about you having a lunch 
as you head off to school. They don't just care about you having a successful future. Godly moms care about the greatest priority. And that is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you trusted Him as your Lord? Have you come to the cross and found His forgiveness and life? Because otherwise, all you're hanging on to is all that beauty and pleasure and vanity that one day will soon be gone. And after that, the judgment. Friend, your mom wants better for you than that. Your mom desires that you would know Jesus and have the hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so today, if you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, let's put it to you straight. Repent and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And know the joy that your mother already knows if she's a follower of Jesus Christ. This morning, moms, another request we have of you. If this morning you have something in your life, whether it's a young person or a spouse that you would like us to pray for. We have elders at each of the doors. Fritz is right down front. Come and pray. Come and pray. Hey, may God bless you. And moms, thank you for all you do. May you have a special, precious time with your family this day. You're dismissed.